There was one summer when I was in grade school that I spent an outrageous amount of time watching television. This was back when Johnny Sacco and his giant robot were on Channel 43. Do anyone remember Johnny Sacco? Oh, there's, all right, Johnny Sacco fans. I was willing to sacrifice a lot for that, that month or so that this TV thing had a hold of me. Friends, games, sunshine, I just wanted to watch TV. And I don't know how I got away with that with my parents, but I do think this was the point in time when my dad started calling me TV bug eyes. I remember my best friend from next door, Andy Weaver, one day came over and he knocked on the door and I came to the door and opened up the door and he says, you want to come out to play with me and the guys? And I said, no, I'm watching TV. And he got this really dejected look on his face and he goes, all you ever want to do anymore is watch TV. And he turned around and walked away. I went back to the television set. But I think that was the beginning of the end of that phase. You've heard scripture said, where your heart is, there is your treasure. And to that we could tack on what your treasure is. It is for that that you will sacrifice all lesser things. If you want to know what you really value, not just what you want to want to value, or you think that you value, or that you think you should value, look at what's towards the top of, I will sacrifice for this list. What's at the top of your, I will sacrifice for this list? This comes first and everything comes afterwards. Here's what it might look like. A young man falls in love and he's got it bad. It's like a disease. Maybe he doesn't, he can't study much anymore. The guys are upset with him because he's always spending time with her. He spends money that he has a little bit more freely when he's with her. Gives in to seeing a movie that he otherwise would never dream of going to go see. And then he sacrifices everything joyfully. All other possibilities and ways of living, even his own body and he parts with more of his hard-earned money and buys and an overpriced and impractical ring, kneels down and says, will you let me love you for the rest of my life? She is his treasure. So there are a lot of good things to have at the top of the list, right? And if it is a good thing, it's worth a lot of sacrifices. The reason we have people who are really good at a lot of things is that they were willing to sacrifice a lot at being good. If you want to play Carnegie Hall, if you want to play in Notre Dame Stadium, or end up on the New York Times bestseller list, or just be the best version of yourself, or really love somebody well, you're gonna have to sacrifice a lot, man. And the reason these things are great things to sacrifice is because in the end, you and maybe the world, or just at least your little corner of it, will be left with something pretty special. The tragedy is when the things at the top of the sacrifice list leave nothing. Most often we call these addictions, as an example. You've heard those stories of people who are addicted and how they are willing to sacrifice everything for their addiction. When you speak to somebody in recovery, they talk about losing their job, their marriage, their kids, their friends, their health, and sometimes even their freedom. As we hear, we hit bottom. 
are left with nothing and they now realize that that thing that they were sacrificing everything for is not worth it. So it's a good thing to think about what it is that you are sacrificing for and ask yourself, is it worth it? Now, if we understand this, if we get this, we will understand better today's gospel. Briefly, Jesus talks about anyone coming to him without hating mother and father or even his own life is not worthy of him. Harsh words. They don't give us the warm fuzzies. They're certainly not politically correct, but they make a lot of sense. Here's why. First, it must be understood that the teachings of Jesus are not relevant for today. G.K. Chesterton is relevant for today. He was a great Catholic writer at the beginning of the last century. And uh, there's a number of us who are hoping that he'll be recognized as a saint someday. The topics he wrote about, we are still dealing with a hundred years later. Everything from drop off and mass attendance, attendance to gender uh, confusion. And that makes him relevant to us today. But there may be some day when Chesterton's writings are no longer relevant. Maybe we will have solved all those problems and moved on to different problems, right? Jesus and his teachings are not merely relevant in that way. Jesus is not just relatable. He is being itself. All were created through him. All were created for him. He is before all else that was made. All has been reconciled through him. He is over all and holds all creation in being. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. He is not just relevant to life. He is life. He is being the great I am. And this being true means that what he teaches is about how to be and that to buck against it brings damage to life. Let's just take one example. I wasn't sure I was going to do this, but I think I'm going to do it anyway. Let's take the example of married relationships. Let's suppose that just for two generations, two generations, we were able to get everybody in the entire world to follow faith's teachings as it relates to relationships between men and women. What a different world it would be at the end of two generations. Let's just take one tiny piece of the slice of the pie of what that might mean. How many diseases would be wiped out in three quarters of a century? How much pain and hurt would be avoided? But someone would say, you will never get the whole world to cooperate, and you're right. But what if we just got half the world, half the world to cooperate? It would still make a miraculous change in this world, following the teachers of him who is. I doubt we could get half, but what if only we got the two billion Catholics out of the seven billion plus people who are alive in the world to follow them? I would say in one month, there would be a huge market change in the world. Two billion is still, still too much. What if we were only to get to the 1,750 families at St. Sebastian to do this? What would happen here 
would send shock waves and ripples throughout the nation. It would bring a lot of attention here. It happens all the time in the, in the history of the church. But we can't get the whole parish even to agree what's the best place to go get pizza. So, what if it was just you? What if you were the only one? How blessed and safe would the people around you feel? You might inspire others, maybe even without even knowing it. How might you begin to change the heart of those close to you? And from there, who knows what would happen? How much pain could you personally avoid? And what if you became a recognized saint? What would that do? You know, the reform of the church, every time the church has needed reform, the only time it's ever happened is when individual men and women, usually one, have decided to be holy and then started affecting everybody else. So even if it is just you following Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life that can bring so much healing and hope and joy into the world, if he is the real cure to all that ails us as a people, would you not sacrifice every lesser thing for that? Even if it is the ire of father and mother who may vehemently disagree with the faith, even if it means denying yourself lesser pleasures, desires, and wants. Yes, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole, but we can now understand what he means when he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life cannot be my disciple. We are all portals of heaven or hell into the world. And we get to choose which one we want to be. And it can be scary, challenging, and difficult to do the right thing. But that is why we do it, because it is the right thing. <laughs>